You're listening to Strong Asian Lead, your backstage pass to Hollywood. In this space, we shatter barriers, unlock opportunities, and provide you with the tools you need to break into Hollywood on your terms, all from the Asian American perspective. I'm your host, Moss Moria, and this is week two. You know, I'm going to do this every day. I have been doing this every weekday for about a week now. I think I started on Tuesday or something like that, and feels good. I feel like this is a good routine for me to have. I'm trying to get the 8 o'clock time. It's almost 9 right now, but it is, uh, it's good routine. I do need, feel like I need to wake up a lot earlier. I've been waking up at 6 a.m. The body clock just wakes up at 6 a.m., but I don't get to work out enough anymore. <laughs> so I feel like I should try to wake up at 5, try to get my morning routine going and just push myself. Uh, I've been clean. Uh, I've not smoked weed in like a little over two weeks now, and I do feel healthier. Uh, I do feel like I'm a little more energetic. I feel like I'm not tired in the morning. I feel like I'm waking up not tired. That's the best thing about being clean on this stuff is that I don't feel like I'm tired and it's just like groggy in the morning. And, you know, some of those days, I don't know how about all about y'all, but I do check my phone right in the morning and I don't do that. I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't do it and I just do it anyways. But I don't, what I realize that I don't spend 30, 40, 50 minutes on my phone doing that. I spend like maybe five. That's pretty good. I try to just do it. I also say, I will also say that I've done less because of my cat. Uh, I just, I wake up my cat and my cat says, meow. I'm like, okay, what's up, man? Like to spread you and try to roll around and, you know, play a little game of uh, a little catch and put my hand underneath my blankets and like, you know, push it in and out. He loves that. Um, so yeah, that's like, uh, and I'm doing, I'm doing okay. How about y'all? Uh, you doing, you doing fine. I hope I, I do. Again, I do not in, necessarily enjoy doing this by myself, uh, as a podcast hoster. Uh, I'd rather, I either listen to people who have things to say and talk with everybody so I can have a, a back and forth, but Hey, I'm not going to make everybody, somebody wake up in the morning and do this at, at 8am every, every day. I think that's, eh. Yeah, I, I just, I don't want to do that to somebody. I also like, who wants to do that? <laughs> I don't, I barely want to do it. I'm doing it anyways because I just, the only time I have like energy to do it. Otherwise, I'm just going to be too tired to wait at night. And I'm just going to be so tired that my ne- energy level and negativity will just come out. It, it, that's what happened in the last podcast, the last time, our first season. I just didn't enjoy that. Uh, I do think that a couple of these days I will not be recording in the morning. I think I need to go through some of the backlogs of the interviews and I'll just say like, Hey, we're going to do the backlog today. And here's an interview from this person. Um, do my best to like introduce them because I owe them that that's what I feel like. And so we're going to do that. And that's going to help me do maybe I'll, maybe I'll do like two episodes and I'll help me like keep moving forward. Again, the focus here is to like why I'm doing every day and not posting every day. I'm only posting once a week is so that we have a routine that's going on and I can have like 50 episodes lined up and that's like a whole year of content. Like that's the reason why you don't want to listen to me twice a week. Like, and I don't have the energy for twice a week. I tried to do twice a week podcasting and that just did not work at all. Uh, I was just burning myself out. And although I do wish I had done, started doing this, uh, earlier, I wish I'd just been making podcasts. I don't care. Just like not, just not doing interviews. Like that just takes so much time and so much pressure and, trying to reach out to people and getting a lot of no's or no responses. Like it's just like kind of exhausting. And then getting resp- people reaching out to me to have their stuff on their podcast. And I still have to like answer questions and do all of that. And 
I think now it's better with, you know, ChatGPT and like be able to you know, prep questions for me. But again, it's just, it's just, it, it's a lot. And I just feel like I have to be on and then what's kind of the point. And so, you know, I don't make money off doing this. I just think it's a useful tool. I think we'll be able to make some content out of it. I don't like making the other type of content. This is, this is might be fine. So, uh, but let's go into our, like a, our casual opening today. And, you know, today is life. Today's life lesson, I think that's going to be best. Life lessons is um, do something else besides your Hollywood work. You know, get outside of Hollywood. Today we're going to be talking about breaking into Hollywood. Like, what's the first steps you might need to take? Because a lot of you listeners might not be in the Hollywood space, and you want want to be asking questions on how to start. But today we're gonna we're gonna get into that. But I think again, like if you're not in Hollywood, that's fine too. And I think you should have a life outside of Hollywood. Because if you don't have, I think it's important to have a life outside of Hollywood. Um, and maybe you already know that, but some of you don't. And even myself, I don't. I don't take that advice all the time because all everything that I do genuinely relates to Hollywood or Asian America, right? It might be me cleaning up little Tokyo. It might be me doing, clean up Koreatown. It might be, that I go see a movie or that I go to a cultural event or I go to Japan house. Like it's always something there, but I really generally don't have a life outside of Hollywood or Asian American. I think I, I thought today people, people have said like, I don't, sometimes I don't think about being Asian American. I don't want to think about being Asian American. I don't wake up thinking about being Asian American. Well, guess what I do. And it has kind of exhausting, but it's just kind of like, I didn't, for so many years, I didn't wake up that way. I didn't wake up thinking about that. And now I'm like, what can I do for Asian, the Asian American community? And as much as like, I'm not like famous. I'm, a lot of people know who I am. I think a lot of people think uh, I am more famous than I am. But I, I'm really, I'm like, someone said, uh, I think Tim, Tim Changarande. I'm so sorry. He, I know I fucked up that last name. But he was like, I like, I see this A-list stars and like that life looks like shit. I love being this E-list star. And I'm like, oh, I'm enjoying being this like P-list star because <laughs> it's just like, so at the bottom. But like, you know, I'm, I'm not Z. And I think that's a uh, fact. But, you know, again, going, taking something out of Hollywood is good for you. I don't take many of those days not doing Hollywood things. Even when I go to the beach, I try to bring a book with me and it's something about it. But this weekend, I went to go see a movie with a friend, a new friend. Uh, and it was nice just to not think about it. it. You know, she herself is not Asian American and it was nice just to, I, I did talk about what I'm doing and that's fine, but it was also not a full conversation only about Asian American. It's like, it's a little bit about life. We went, we had coffee at her place and some little, some, some bread, Mexican bread and the pan, pan, dulce de pan. I think that's what, I, that's what I grew up calling it, uh, the, you know, sweet bread, right? And then we had coffee. We went thrift shopping. We went to another coffee shop to have a Korean Spam croissant, which was fucking delicious, by the way. I think there should be more of that. I mean, Starbucks is behind, but <laughs> they aren't really on the, the kimchi game. And then we went to go see a movie. I won't say which movie because we're still on strike, but it was fun. Let's just say that. It was very fun. I enjoyed it. I thought it, had, it was well-written. Yeah, it's always going to be controversy about every fucking movie that's out there. But you know what? I I still had a good time. 
had a good time enjoying just watching a movie and laughing and that's silly. I'm like, I was like, that's silly. Love it. And that's all I had to be. Kind of like another another struck stricken movie that was just I don't know. It's hard to explain when you're just not when you're on strike and not talking about these things. So whatever. Just go, you know, go to the movies. Go to the movies and watch something that you just want to watch. I, there's so many movies I still want to I want to get out there and still see that aren't Asian American itself, but it's 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 a big difference. And then we went to the 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 outdoor marketplace, Mercado, that was kind of just out there, and we I got some oiled cheese, some uh, handmade cheese with Kalamata olives. And then we had lunch and some fish and chips. We split that and went to a bookstore. The um, I think it was the Revolutionaries Bookstore. I think I, ooh, I forgot what it was. It's like Lamar Park. And it was cute. And actually, that was the first time I've ever seen like a bookstore have a lot of Asian American authors and books. Just like I was looking for around. I'm like, I could probably find it. And I found it. And so found, yeah, I think you know, um, Troublemaker to Crying in H Mart to... I, it was the first time I've seen Constance Wu's book, uh, which I forgot what it was called. But you don't really see that very often. I really find a ha- really hard time unless I go to like an Asian American library or anywhere. So good it was on that. I think that's really important. Again, go read those. I didn't pick up any books up this time, but because I just have so many books, I have not how much else that I have not read. I can't buy any more books. But I think that's really um, good. And then you know we just split off, and I went home, kind of went on a little jog and run they do free food in the park um it was a shitty 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 chicken burger i should just not eat eating it but and this free food i just don't you know me ebt boy I, i'm not gonna turn down free food uh so i did and then um i brought another stray cat home this if anybody knows me like a personal life i kind of just bring home stray cats is not health <laughs> not a healthy thing i guess the last two, the, the first, my first, my cat, I always say it's my cat. Uh, he followed me home, Kataro. He just, he just followed me in. I didn't really pick him up or anything. I didn't, he just let me pet him. He just came up to me and was like, hey, let's, let's go. I'm going to go home now. If you want to come with me, you can. And he did. And so now he's living with me. He's like, love, love my life. Like that's, that's my child. I brought in a couple other cats. They didn't work out. I feel like they, um, one, I think maybe it's just, I don't like long haired cats, but uh, they didn't, you know, they were kind of roaming around. Some of them, ha- I think, had maybe had homes, so I kind of put them back. And then, but they just, they seemed like outdoor cats that wanted to be outdoors. This cat came up to me a little bit. You know, I started feeding him. I'd seen him around for a few months, so I know he's kind of an outdoor, outdoor cat roaming around the, around the area. And I started feeding him, and he said, let me start, let me, slowly started letting me pet him. And so, picked him up and brought him home. He's been a chill cat. I had a, I already had flea shampoo, so I washed all those fleas off and gave him some medicine. Uh, he's, he's got, of course, he's got like worms and stuff, like all you know, stray cats do. And yeah, he's been chill. He's not crying as much as the other cats have. So who want to be outside? He might want to be outside, but he's been a lovely cat, lovely black and black and yellow cat. And I'm like, oh, this is just like on brand for me. So yeah, hopefully they, these two cats like start, you know chilling out i do have them in quarantine so uh you know that's just how it goes i've learned those lessons as well and yeah that's my life outside of hollywood like i think just again it's important to have those things i do wish i work out more i wish i could read i had made more time to read journal is great even this podcast even though it's like still hollywood it's nice for me to do something that's not related to what i'm doing 
and it only takes a couple few, few it takes a few hours it does take some work but yeah i think it's really it's good to do something outside and know some people and people have like relationships and lives that i don't know people have work have jobs outside of hollywood that i just don't have but i'm a full-time freelancer oh i just got my first i i got my um i started getting my clients back in la so not getting back but i'm starting to get clients for my photography so shout out to some people who are just kind of tagging me in some stuff but you know i booked my first gig my first big gig in a long time they're paying me a little over a thousand dollars another gig you know just doing as a favor and that's red man i've got my red back just from photography i'm like two or three gigs that's fantastic like look at that i am i am back i am back on that game and it's not hollywood it gets i get to do photography and it's just enjoyable i'm trying to learn more with ai so i can do it faster and the editing process because i just don't care and it, it's I, i'm glad I'm glad to get to be back in this job. It's not a Hollywood job, so it's not stricken right now. It's going to, like, be forever. I don't, we don't have a, I don't know if there's a photographer's union, but we're all just freelancers anyway, and I just do events, so it's great. I, I am glad. So, again, if you need a photographer, I'll, I'm your guy. Uh, editing, uh, like, event photography, concert photography, panel photography, like, those are the things I can do. Comedy shows, they're great. Like, I'm all about it. Like, it's hard to like sell that all the time because I'm not. It's it's totally different job, totally different craft. It's totally different industry than what I'm usually doing. So it's hard to like stay on brand, which is why I didn't do it for so long in LA. But I'm back, and I feel good. I feel good about doing something for someone else and getting paid for it. Like that's the best thing. Like get paid for your work, man. Like yeah, it's nice, and I get to raise my rates. I get to negotiate, and like great. So. Yeah, if you need some photo work, I don't do a lot of headshots, which I'm trying to get into just this a little bit to make some extra cash. But, you know, it's not the thing that I want to build my career on. Um, but it does. I want, I want to pay rent this way. So that's something I can do. And yeah, so that's 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 kind of what we're going to be about. I think, again, you should be doing something outside of Hollywood, whether that be volunteering, which I think is the best thing to spend your time in is volunteering for somebody else. It could be anything. And and if you want, volunteer for something that's Hollywood related. Actually, if you want to break into Hollywood, again, if you listen to the last episode, breaking into Hollywood, volunteering for Hollywood things helps your career too. Like, you're going to learn about Hollywood. You're going to learn about who to work with. You're going to hear about things. You're going to and participate in helping somebody about Hollywood, which then they're more likely to help you out too. So I think that's really important. I don't feel like I have too much to say on this, but take breaks. Taking breaks is fine too. Go on vacation. Go traveling. Be a foodie. Go eat. Go do whatever. Travel in your own city. No matter which city you have, you've probably not seen everything. So try something new. Go antiquing. Find a collection. I have a collection of books. I used to have a collection of Coca-Cola I would say do something, I mean, I would, I, I would say what not to put your time into is something that's, I don't want to say useless, because I feel like this is not necessarily useless, and everybody's got their different perspectives, but video games is not my thing. I think it's a nice time 
pastime. I don't want to say time waster, just pastime. But it, it's so it can be so lonely, I guess. Even if you're doing like the virtual, you know, talking and talking with other people and maybe make your friends on there. Like, hey, do you? You like video games? Do you? I don't like video games. I think it's sitting on my couch doing something on a computer, basically. And I don't want to do that. Get outside. Go do something else with people. We were stuck in COVID for so long. Even if it's only like a year, year and a half, it changed everything. Go outside. Go meet people. Go explore by yourself. I have people who just won't even do something by themselves. They're afraid to do it by themselves. Like, why? Do something by yourself. For yourself. Go have lunch by yourself. Go just spend like 20 bucks to do something else. Just go. It, it's not, it's not, it should not be scary. I think LA people are so scared to kind of do that stuff. Whereas New York, you're just like, this is what we do. This is life. You get out, you go meet, you go do things, you explore. You do things you've never done before. And I think that's, it's so valuable. So go do that for yourself. Uh, before you break into Hollywood. Because once you break into Hollywood and you're busy, you might not have that time. And if you don't get into a routine of doing that, you don't know who your life is anymore. Uh, learn from me. All My life is like all Hollywood, all Asian America. And every day is about doing something for a strong Asian lead, for Hollywood. It's thinking about it. It's even by, even this weekend, my, my friend was like, what are you going to do tomorrow? Like, don't work. She's like, don't work. Even then, I still kind of did some work because I had to do it because you know I got I have some deadlines. I applied for the Asian the the armed with a camera from Visual Communications, uh, and I one of the things I thought about was like writing. I go back to writing. It's still screenwriting. It's still work. So you know my life is just work, and I think you should need to do less of that. So make sure you're you're finding something else to do, and because once you get into it, you're busy. Like, even I think, like, once I get to a certain degree, I'm like, oh, maybe then I can take a break. But I'm realizing I'm doing this next project right now, this fellowship that we're going to start launching. And it's just going to be busier. Yes, I'm doing more, getting more prominent, but it's just going to make it busier. And I just still don't have a team. I still don't, I'm still doing this by myself. Me and GPT are just, like, the only people on this team. <laughs> so... Do something and do that. Uh, you know, people like to date. People like to date and have a have a relationship. I don't not like dating. But I do realize how much time goes into that. And I feel like I don't have enough time for that. And not that people aren't worth it. But there's just a lot of people who I just don't want to spend that time wasting and there's a few people I'm just like, I just want to get to know you more. You seem like someone who's cool, chill, I can have a coffee with that doesn't have to talk about work. And we can go do something outside of work things that we don't need to do. I think it's the best thing. It's like, you're doing something you don't need to do at all. And dating is something I don't need to do. I, a lot of people are driven by sex. I am not driven by sex. A lot of people know that. And I maybe they don't know that about me, but... I am an outlier. I do not care about sex. Sex is fun. Sex is great. It's dirty. But it's not the thing that I've driven to do. It doesn't fuel me. 
I don't look go looking for it. I do not get on the internet and go swiping for for anything. I don't want to spend that time doing that. I'd rather just spend time having a good time, having fun, just chilling out, relaxing, again, not doing Hollywood things. Like, it's not my end goal. Even relationships, even getting married is not my end goal. That's not a, no. If I learned anything from that movie that I watched, it's like, that's not my identity. My identity is not a girlfriend or any partner. I'm not dated men, but I'm not, you know, against it. But it's just not something. I think Hollywood is my identity. Sadly, <laughs> that's what it has to be. But I also need to be like, I am, I am, I am Moss. Moss is me. Moss is I. And I need to find maybe a little bit more of my own identity, but I've already kind of like made my identity. I am Hollywood. I am, I am that Hollywood guy you think of Hollywood. I, I you know, it, it's not the sleazy type, but you know, I still am pretty, I'm generally pretty Hollywood in that way. But I hope to do be less Hollywood, be more me. But nobody gets to see that because I don't post any of that shit on on my Instagrams. Um, but yeah, that's that's the le- that's the casual lesson, life lesson for today is do something outside of Hollywood for you, and and or for somebody else, and that's totally great too. Yeah, sorry, we have to have all these ads. I'm putting those ads in there. And they're, I'm going to put in two ad breaks every time because that's the only way we kind of make a little bit of money out of this. If you're on Spotify, like we have this video stuff and it's going to be every 20 minutes. You're not going to hear the one at the beginning, but after you're on Apple, sorry about, sorry, but not sorry about having ads because I don't make money off of this. So if I can get like two cents out of this, this is something because it, it's, it's work. And we don't have a subscription thing where you don't get to listen to ad, without ads yet. We will get there. It, I through this whole podcasting. I have to have a hundred listens within the past sixty days to do personalized brand brand ones that I get to say, but not until then. So maybe that'll be more fun when we do that. But we're not there yet. So let's keep going. In the meantime, today's lesson and the main topic for today is breaking to Hollywood. Breaking into Hollywood and the beginner's blueprint. So maybe you haven't started your Hollywood journey yet. Maybe you haven't even started your independent films yet. This is for those people. If you're already in that, maybe this is a good reminder. Maybe you're looking for to change a part of the career. Maybe you're still looking to find inspiration. You want to skip through this? Fine. Go to the end of the week. Probably about minute 40. That's That's... This is what we're going to talk about today because we have so many people and so many questions from listeners and from people around me. Is like, how do I break in? What's the first thing I do? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't I haven't even made a film. I'm still, I'm still looking around and, and trying out things. And this is for them. So let's talk about acting. All right, I am not an actor. I've done some acting, but I am not an actor. I think actors, and actors are, I'm not even thinking, actors are, a, a, acting, acting is a skill. Actors are those who use those skills to have a career, to invoke emotion, to play a character, to serve a story. But also the job of the actor is to 
do all the things. And that means, you know, eating, eating right the way you want to eat and healthy. I'm not saying do not do the unhealthy things, but I think exercising is great for you. It wakes you up, being mentally clear, expanding your emotional, uh, emotional skills to do, go further than what you just, who you are becoming something different as Michael Myers would do, become another person, right? And that's not Michael Myers, it's Dana Carvey. Um, become another person. Just become another person and embody that person. Listen to podcasts, listen to actors, listen to, there's so much out there. There's so much actors about actors because actors are such a face. And if you under if you listen to them, how they've built their careers and how they've lived their lives and how they've perused around, it's very different from everybody else, but all through it's like auditioning, 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 auditioning. And I think that's the thing that's why I don't want to be an actor is because I don't want to audition all the time. I'd rather spend my energy doing this podcast than auditioning. It's literally the same thing, except I enjoy myself more doing this because I can do it casually and I'm not repeating myself over and over again. And I don't have to dress up like I am wearing some stuff now, but it, you can see me. I got my new uh, pink flamingo, uh, not kimono, just kind of an over kind of a Japanese overcoat type type deal. Uh, I forgot what it's called. A uh, 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 la petite, uh, la petite prince. Um, like arm tank top and my yellow sunglasses I got this weekend. And it's a little off brand from what I'm usually wearing, but it's so hot. It's so hot. And this is what I've got. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to, this is what I just got. And, but I also don't have pants on cause it's so fucking hot. And I got to do the whole acting thing. I got to put the blue screen up. I got to I got to dress up. I got to put some makeup on. I got to do my hair. I got to stand up. I don't get to sit down. And I got to memorize the lines and put the whole thing. I got to do a full body shot. Like, that's not what I want to do. But if you want to do that, and that sounds like work that you could deal with, then go for it. Try it. If you want to be an actor, be an actor. Understand what actors have to go through to be an actor, to be a famous actor, to do any. You can just get paid to be an actor. Someone's just showing up. I've been on my first commercial, big commercial gig. Was I was a samurai, and I was lucky. I didn't have to audition. They just wanted me for my face, which is great, which is the best, the best way. And I'm recording all the time. And the best thing about that was that you know, just show up, be on time, be ready, have a good attitude, enjoy the process. Just take not take orders, but take orders. You know, add a little few steps in. I had to make sure I was walking like a samurai and I learned how to do that. Holding a samurai sword, a katana, you know, learning out how those little things and that makes that can make a difference because those directors aren't going to always look for that. They're relying on you to do that. Becoming that actor, it's practicing, learning, learning about that character, learning about that person, building a character backstory that you'll never see on screen. You just have to know that for yourself. And... If you like doing that, do it. Read a book. Listen to interviews. The Academy Awards and the Academy the Archives have so many interviews with actors, famous actors. You only have a few on Asian American actors, but they've got a lot of white actors and black actors who, who just tell about acting and their stories and their lives, learning about what they did. I just listened to like 
two or three episodes on uh, The Great Creators with Guy Raz. Uh, it's another podcast that I recommend. They've only got white, literally only got like white people on there, but still great actors. I listened to Zoe Deschanel. I listened to Nathan Lane the other day. And like just hearing about how they got into acting and how they, you know, Zoe Deschanel was, he did some child star things, but she didn't really want to be an actor. She actually quit Hollywood for a minute. Um, I think she had done 500 Days of Summer. She was just done being that manic pixie dream girl and all those types of characters. And she didn't want to do it. Uh, there was just some other movies role that she got, but that was she was being pigeonholed. But she's also a musician, again, doing something outside of Hollywood. She just had this other whole other career. There was also, you know, I, I listened to Perry Young's acting career on the Infatuation podcast. And, you know, he has a whole life as a shot. I'm so sorry. I'm not, you know, I don't know all these words. Uh, the flute, Japanese flute. He's a he's master at making them and repairing them. Like, that's a whole other career that he's got. Not actually, you know, talking about strikes. Like, that's what the only thing that he's got working right now. And that pays for most of his bills. So, you know, and I looked up to him. I'm like, yeah, you're a great actor, man. You did Warrior. Like, that's fantastic. You should be getting all the roles at this point. But I don't know how the life rolls right now. So, again, if you're doing things outside of Hollywood, you probably have a career outside of Hollywood, which is right now is really, really good and really important. I mean, that's why I love photography because it is outside of Hollywood. And that's, we all got to do that. We all got to have that second job. So that's for actors. Actors, do that thing. Get a job that's flexible so you can do your, do your, do, do your auditions. Go take an acting class. Go take an improv class. I would love to take an improv class. It's just good for skills and thinking on your feet. But I think it's really good for actors. And some people are like, don't take improv. Take this. I'm like, you know what? Do whatever you want to take. Take something that's going to get your body moving and thinking about emotions and thinking about situations. I just enjoy watching people do improv. And I want to do that someday. And I think that'd be really fun. I think it's good for conversations and just like being a person. So do what feels right. And, and enjoy it if you enjoy it. But if you don't like acting, let's find some other things you can do. Directing. Directing is another great way for Hollywood careers. This, but I think the thing that people don't understand about directing or don't know about directors is that there's so many different types of directors. There's commercial directors, there's feature films, short films, music video directors, just uh, artistic directors, like there's a lot out there, but let's talk about the Hollywood directors and just film and television. And this, then there's also feature films and TV, TV directors. But what their job ultimately is, is to invoke their vision into the final product by telling others how they want it to be done. And that's more complicated than you think it is. You just tell people what you want. Like, yes. But you got to do it diplomatically. You got to do it with egos. You have to deal with people. It's like being a people person out of all the things. You want to act and do something, you can't just say, make it be more mad. Like, that's not the way to direct. That's really just not. Actors don't want to hear that. And that's not real. That's what kind of anger? What do you want them to think about? How do you want them to be? And then the cinematographers, how do you want them to shoot it? What's the vision? talking to the production designers what do you want to see what's what's important how much of it are you going to see 
what's the kind of lighting? And you talk to the cinematographers and the lighting, the director of photography. Like, there's even like photography, like, we'll get into that. Like, just knowing your vision, expressing your vision, telling other people your vision in a way that they understand and how can, how can they execute that vision for you. And then putting it all together. Talking with the producers, the screenwriter, the actor, the crew. Like, there's so much. It's being... And that's why you have, you have like bad directors and mean directors. You just don't want to work with them because they don't know how to direct. They just maybe have a vision, but they're bad people, people, per, people, persons. And you don't want that. You want to be the person that everybody says, I want to work with that director. Their vision's so good and they're a good person. You want to be that person. And you want to get into directing? One, learn that. Learn how to direct people. But also, biggest thing, learn every single job of the industry just a little bit just enough so that you can communicate with your person about how you want to envision it you want to know how to tell a cinematographer how to shoot it and how to frame it you want to say i want 100 millimeter i would like to see 100 millimeter on this and and want it in a macro you know what that means Maybe if you're a cinematographer, you might, you would know. But if you're a director and you don't know how to express that, how are you supposed to tell them how what you want to see? You want to tell the editor, I want it, I want a jump cut with an L cut over here, but then I want to have a zoom here. And then you tell them, like, well, zoom, we should have done that in camera. Like, well, did you know that you, you can or cannot do that in, in post? Like, you, how fast do you want it? Is it too slow? Is you want this pace to move on? Do you want to cut on beat? Like, do you know the terminology that we use as editors? I know, like, those who you really, really know me know that I can do almost every single one of these things as as the filmmaker person. I'm a filmmaker. I've done all the things. Done the acting. The one thing you can't do, what feels really hard, and I don't understand why people do it, but also what, what gets there is, like, becoming the actor too because that's just a whole other thing it's just almost it's technical but also not technical it's very emotional and it it's just something different and but if you'll be the director you can do all those things without that right never seen stop motion stop motion images and stop motion pictures like i've ever played with legos and done that you can do all of that as a director but you also need to know how to shoot it in the right way, the way you see it. You see it in a certain way? Know how to get that shot. How do you edit that way that you see it? If you've watched any of my recent shorts in the way I make, I position those, you know, it's been a very long time. But the way I edit those, the way I cut them, the way I shoot them, it's very Darren Aronofsky. And... If you any know anything about that, it's actually just a lot of B-roll insert shots for two seconds, three seconds. Usually paired with a good sound, like very good like ASMR sound. Typing on a keyboard, just a couple of images on, the, on your fingers and your keys. Placing something there, pushing a button, holding a doorknob. It's very Darren Aronofsky meets Edgar Wright. And those directors who are listening to this know what that means. 
right? You and it's a little and it's kind of uh, Thelma Shoemaker. It's very Thelma Shoemaker editing. You know what that means, right? Do you know these terms? Do you know the styles? Do you know how to replicate them? Because if you don't, then you're starting from nothing, which is not a bad thing. But if you know the tools, how other people do it, then you're able to get a better understanding and be more creative with those tools. I'm not thinking I'm copying somebody else. I'm not trying to be homage. I just like that style. And I think that's a very smart style. Now, how can I make it mine? What can I do? What am I doing with my style? You can also do, I also do things that are wide shot in the same way, in the same editing styles. And you do it that way. That, that's different. And I think that's fun. To me, that tells the same story. And I want to make it, I want to make it the way I want to make it with the tools that are out there, with the visions that other people have shown me they can do. And then one day I'll have my own style. I think even just mixing those styles is your own style. I think you just have to understand your vision as a director. You need to understand those things and practice them. They say shoot on your phone. Great. I'd say if you're going to shoot on your phone, also get something like the Olo clips so that you can have different lenses because you need to practice different lens framing. Zooming in is not the same as having a better closer, longer lens. Macro lenses are really important too. Understanding how cameras work for those things. Like, now let's get into cinematography. Like, you want to be a cinematographer? Know a camera. Know the basics of a camera. Don't just buy the fanciest camera. I feel, I hate the people who just like, I don't know how to use a camera, so I'm going to buy the most expensive camera. Know the basics of photography, composition, Lighting, framing, lenses, all that is really, really important. If you don't know how to use all the tools in your arsenal, then you're missing out on everything that's there. As of, I started out as doing some video stuff, you know, I've never shown, some of my old stuff is really on YouTube way back then, like visual effects stuff, and it was fine. I just put a camera on a tripod and I just shot myself doing certain things. I even did some Lego stop animation, stop motion animation. Right. And I just shot things. But then when I learned, got my first camera, I was like, okay, I need, I know I have this lens. I have these lenses. I need, if I want to get this shot, I need to have this type of lens and practice, 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 shoot everything, get tools, rent tools, rent, rent a, a movie, a stabilizer. That was one of the coolest things I ever had. It was so great. I sold it eventually, and sold it sold it for to make rent in in New York. But that was it was such great. I would buy something similar. I'd buy the upgraded version now because it's it's so great for my camera. But if you just shoot on your phone, get the DJI one. Like that's great too. You just need to show that. You need to show how to do slow pans and tracking and. Um, all those types of things without shaking up the camera too much. Like there's so much to learn just from there. Can do you know your wide shots, your medium shots, your close-ups, your extreme close-ups? Do you know how long they need to go for? What kind of lighting you need? What's the, your f-stops, your ISOs, your shutter rates, your 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 all of that? You need to understand all those to become a cinematographer, and that's different than the director of photography. Right, this this camera operators and director of photography. Which one are you? You should know how to do both. 
but director of photography, let's break that down. The director of graphing photons, right? Graphing the light, working with light, color, shadows, all of that. Understand how that works. Practice it. Understand it and practice it. Because when you understand certain things and you try to do it, you realize oh, that's not working. Why? Then figure it out. Once you figure it out, you now learn that lesson and you won't do it again. Or you will, when it comes again, when it does happen again, you'll know how to fix it. So learning all those things is really important. And then playing with things, playing with lighting, playing with all that. And the last thing we're going to talk about, uh, and there's so many more aspects to Hollywood that you can get into. Your link is casting. There's uh, production design, grip. Set design, set production, carpentry, props, love props. There, there's so much you can get into. And but I think the one thing we're gonna, and people get me like, we're not you're not doing enough crew stuff. Like, you know what? I don't know crew stuff enough. Right? I've been a I've been a prop maker one time, PA. We'll talk about PA one day. Great that's a great way to break into Hollywood, be a PA. Be a PA on short films, be a PA at school films, student films. Be a PA somewhere else where you just be able to help them practice and learn and listen. Learn and listen. That's the big thing here. Learn and listen. Don't spew out things you don't know. Don't just start pitching everybody you don't know. Don't pitch unless they ask. Like, that's kind of a good rule. Like, don't pitch unless they ask. Just help and show up. Show up for others. Again, paying it forward. Being a PA is the best way to pay it forward because you're actually learning on the job. And you're learning from others. And when you do a good job, when you show them you show up on time and you do a great, great work, they'll hire you again. You might be free, but you don't know what you're doing yet. So do it. That was the first thing I knew when I was coming back to Hollywood from New York. Like, I'm just going to be a PA. Start from the bottom. And look, now we're here. Ah, look at that. Right? That's how it works. You just be a PA. Be a PA. Learn what you want to do. I think it's really, it's really not irresponsible, but it's kind of a, a downfall of a lot of screenwriters who are not PAs because you don't know how the industry works. You don't know how the set works. So when you're writing something, you just assume it's going to work. I'm like, you should, you might get there, but you're going to learn a lot more about how the business is run and how to sell your screenplay if you know how to build your career in Hollywood as a PA because you just know how everybody else works. You know how many positions are in Hollywood? Like, this is your PA, but then you have your production coordinators. There's set PAs and there's office PAs. There's uh, set design PAs, production PAs. Uh, what was that? I was, I was an art PA. Like, there's so many other types of production assistants for every department. Like, what are you doing? So, learning all of that. And I learned a lot of lessons about slowing down, devils in the details, all of that. Just, just get there. And you're going to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's the biggest thing. Try. Ask questions. Get get clarity. And step up. Step up your game. Step up to everybody else. You know, I was this RPA recently. And they said, like, you were so good. You're, you're going to be just fine. You're a really good PA. And... You're, you're going to make it. There are so many people who just don't. I'm like, I'm just doing my job. Like, 
I'm, I'm doing the work that you're asking me to do and working, trying to work really hard and trying to do my best. And it sounds like other people aren't like that. And I think that's really sad that other people just aren't there. And when you can do your job, it's going to show other people you can do the job better than someone else and they're going to hire you again. They're going to remember you. Like, do that. Do that for yourself. Do that for others. The best way to move forward is work really, really hard because there's a lot of people who don't work hard enough. Some people who think they're better than that. I know a lot. I feel like I know a lot of directors who are just become directors but never been a PA, and I don't know if I really trust them as much because they don't seem chill. They just seem like they think they know what they're doing and they do know what they're doing and they're working. But you know what? They're not the same people. I think that's really sad. You know. But I do want to get into the last one is screenwriting. You want to be a writer? Learn how to write. And it's not learning about writing, how to write screenplays or screenplay format. I think it's really not a good idea just to go, I'm going to write a screenplay and write a screenplay. Write a great story. Can you write a story in one paragraph? Can you tell the story of the three little bears? Can you tell the story of the three little bears without reading the story of the three little bears? Do you know the stories? Do you read stories? Do you know how stories are built? Do you know how Hollywood tells stories? Because there's a difference between how Hollywood tells stories and then how Hong Kong tells stories, then how Korea sells stories. There's a big difference between like telling a story and then selling a story. Like there are so many various things. And if you hear my cats, I'm so sorry about that. But you have to know how to tell a story because when you can tell a story very well, you become a storyteller. And that's way more important than learning how to be a screenwriter. Because you can learn the craft of screenwriting. You can also learn the craft of storytelling, but it's so much harder. It's so much more creative. Crafting a screenplay is just about craft. It's crafting. It's, it's, it's a skill. It's a tool. It's a format. Because you can tell a, a story in a poem, poem format narrative format like a book you can tell a story in a biological uh, a biography type of book and you can tell a story verbally through music screenplay screenwriting is just another different format but you, as you can as you can kind of imagine all of those different formats are very very different it's a very very different industry and the way they're written is very different screenplay is written in a very specific way and you guess go read screenplays but don't try to copy them. People try to do that. They just read a screenplay and they just do it. And they're like, okay, what screenplay did you read? Because when you read certain things and you're like trying to copy that way, a lot of times it's not written the way you think, it, the way it, screenplays are sold. You're reading the shooting script most of the time, the thing that gets actually published, right? It might have numbers. It might have titles. It might have parenthetical character descriptions. It might have longer action lines, longer description lines, things that you would need as a director and as a producer of those things, but that's not what a great screenplay does or sells. You're wasting space. And if you don't know how to do a pitching script, that's very different. You might see the script and be like, oh, it's 120 pages. I should make it 120 pages. Like These days, you make it 120 pages, no one's going to read it unless you're James Cameron. Right? I don't even think James Cameron is necessarily a screen, great screenwriter. He might tell good stories. 
but he's not a great screenwriter. There's a craft to it. Like, there's that difference. That, there's also a reason why you say story, I've mentioned this before, like story by and screenplay by. There's a big difference, right? I got my manager because I can tell a great story. My screenplay writing craft was good, but also the way I told the story in the format and the structure that I did wasn't as good. So we had to work on that. And we did. And now he's really happy with it. But again, that's a craft. But I'm a good storyteller. I know where to get the stories from. Do you know how to do that? And can you spend years and years and hours of your days doing that with getting a lot of rejections? And then how to pitch it, right? There's all these little things. Sorry from camera shaking if you're watching, but there's so much to, so much to that. So understanding how to tell a story in a, in a screenplay format is that takes years. And the overall arching thing as we're starting to wrap wrap this episode up and get to the next last our last thing is can you spend the time the effort the energy doing that job getting rejected and still want to do it and spend a lot of time doing it i think there's a lot of people who write who want to be directors not knowing how to be a director or knowing what director's role is they want to be a director so they write something so that they can direct it, so they can shoot it, so they can produce it and get into film festival. It's not a bad way to break into Hollywood. It's not a thing that I'm saying don't do. But when you're becoming a director and you're doing all those other jobs, you're not becoming a director. You're doing multi-hyphenate things. And you're spending a little bit of time on everything instead of a lot of time on one thing. You're trying to become a jack of all trades instead of jack or jill of all trades and not trying to become the master of the one. But you should know all those other little things, right? There's another phrase I keep forgetting that was the last one. But but I also think it's really important just to be really good at one thing. Good branding for yourself. I am one of those people who are multi-hyphenate in a lot of different things, but I also don't, I'm not trying to become a director. I've done the directing. I'm not trying to become an editor. I've done the editing. It's like, I know how to do all the things so I can know how to do my writing the most. But I also don't want to spend the time doing free things for other people to get better. I don't want to act for free because, and, and spend all my time doing it because I'm not trying to build my career as an actor. If you are, then you should. But me, I come down like I can spend my time on screenwriting. Right? For years, eight hours a day. Especially when I was in New York. I was just making money off photography and paying my rent that way. I would only have to work three days a week. I'm that good of a photographer that I can only work three days a, three days a month. Three days a month and pay all my bills. I wasn't making money. I wasn't like becoming super profitable, but I was making a wash. And I could use all those 20, other 27 days of the month to do screenwriting. Pretty fucking great. And I would spend that time doing screenwriting every fucking day. Eight hours, six hours, ten hours. I don't care if you take it to the coffee shop or you're doing your backyard or your balcony. I don't care if you're drinking or smoking while you're doing it. I don't care. But as long as you're doing it, do a lot of research. There's a lot of research. A lot of writing is research. It's actually not writing. It's reading. But doing that is really important too. But do it. And know that that's your goal. Know that's going to spend all those times and years and time doing it. I've been writing and researching for the past, I, I didn't college, so 
2015, 2014, 2013. So let's say, let's say 2013, 2014, since I've been writing screenplays. It's so uh, 10 years. And I've yet to sell anything. I've made a few shorts, maybe. I mean, I've written one or two. It wasn't very good. Fine. I've written some stuff that I've never shot. I've written a lot of stuff that I've never shot. Let's put it that way. I've written a lot of stuff I've never shot. But I've also learned a lot. I learned about what sells in Hollywood. And I know this screenplay, that I'm, this TV series I'm selling now, it's going to sell because I'm positioning it correctly because I know how Hollywood works, right? To that degree. The degree that I know what's going to sell and how do you, I got my manager the way I thought I was going to. So I did and it worked. So positioning yourself that way, write for hours, direct for hours, act for hours, practice, art. Artists, painters, they just paint because they want to paint. They don't paint to try to make money. They paint because they're needing to express themselves. Do that same as Hollywood. Do it to express yourself. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to. You can do it for practice, trying. I would love to do some improv because I want to try it and I want to get better at it. But I'm not trying to become the actor because I don't want to spend the time doing the stuff that I want to do. I don't want to act audition for free all the time, but I would much rather write for eight hours a day than to audition for four. Like, it's just, oof, that sounds great. I haven't written that long, so long. So that's the lesson of the day. Just do it. Do it, but also don't do it just for no reason. Find the reason for you. Find the reason that works. It's it, And don't shy away from technology. Don't shy away from technology, but also do it the way old Hollywood does it. If you understand how old Hollywood works, works, worked, works, however, it hasn't really changed. The technology has changed, but Hollywood hasn't changed. So understand how Hollywood works and you'll get better. You'll get really, really good. So take that advice, leave that advice, however it is. Take like, hey, Moss doesn't know shit. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. This is my advice. I'm not saying this is the advice. I'm saying it's my advice because that's what's worked for me. And I think it can work for you. So that's our, that's the Hollywood lesson for today. What was that? An exhibition? We need emotional content. Try again. I said emotional content, not anger. Now try again with me. That's it. How did it feel to you? Let me think. Don't think. Feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. And this week's movie of the week is... Enter the Dragon by Bruce Lee. And actually, it's not Bruce by Bruce Lee. It's actually just mostly starring Bruce Lee. And the reason why we're talking about today is for a couple of reasons. One, I get to go meet Shannon Lee next week, which is pretty cool. Um, and I was invited to go see her at a private dinner. Thanks. Shout out to Gold House. And cool. And so I'm making her a jacket. I'm making myself a jacket. For the event, I'm going to give her the same jacket. Bought a, bought a jacket for it and got 
Lee on the buttons, which is really great. And then I'm going to put B water on the back and it's fantastic. I'm going to have one myself. And, you know, again, that's like I'm paying it forward because I want to do it. But again, you know, <laughs> like there's a way, there's a way to do these things. Right. And it, I'm, I'm just telling you what I'm doing because it's, it should help you. Like learn what's real, what's fake. Like that's not fake for me. I want to do that. I don't care if I get anything from her. I don't want anything. I'm doing it because I think I appreciate her work. Her work that she does for herself and for the community and the work that she does to carry on Bruce Lee's legacy. Those are two different things. Learn that too. Like appreciate the person and I appreciate her. I don't know her. I just know how much work she does for the community in general. But we're also doing Bruce Lee's... um, Enter the Dragon for two reasons. One is the 50th anniversary for this movie because it, 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 1973 is was a big year and because this is when it was released and it's such a fascinating movie. And the reason why we're doing this one is because it's not, it's actually like the first like Bruce Lee Hollywood film. He had done others. He had done one bigger, one thing in Hollywood, which was Kato in The Green Hornet. And it was fine. He had a very small role in it. He fought a lot. That was, he was the, he was the karate kick and sidekick, right? That was the whole point. But when he did Hong Kong films and the Golden, uh, Golden Harvest films, those did very well. Those became the big hits in China and Hong Kong like those were the number one he broke records every time so this was the first film that Hollywood was going to produce and for with Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee did not write this film so it was written by Michael Allen and written by also written by Bruce Lee but mostly just like the choreography I watched this little short documentary that was put in my, my blu-rays and it was really just the the whole the whole reasons like they made it Michael Allen actually said it's like I actually just took a lot from James Bond and if you watch it it's very much James Bond film like they got the bad guy you got the oh you're going to be a spy and go check out this you know go to the island and go check him out but the reason why we're bringing it up here too and it's because it's not a Hong Kong film it's actually an American film and you when you realize and watch more of it and you listen how how it was built and it was made it's very American. And there's a lot of t- signs you can look at it. So one, Michael Allen is not Chinese. He's not Hong Kongese. He's not international. He's from America. They base it on James Bond, which is U- European, but it's also very American. And everybody's speaking English. Like, I don't mean that to be like the thing in tell-all, but generally kind of is. Like, America's influence on it is so important that they had to put in in, in English. And everybody's speaking. It's not dubbed. Everybody's speaking English. They also did a what quote unquote international cast, or what you call multicultural cast. You have the white guy, you have the black guy, and you have the Asian guy, right? This was the thing, and it was made it very broad for everybody to watch and see themselves in it. You know, everybody can see themselves as Bruce Lee, you can see themselves as um, Roper or Williams. Like, there's so much you can kind of build from here. And just because it was shot maybe in Hong Kong or shot, I don't, I don't know where it was actually shot, but the setting was in in this temple in the, the island, right? Everybody else, all the other actors and the 
the henchmen were all Chinese or Asian of some sort. And that was the whole point. So you can also go with that documentary too. Like the even the way the martial arts was filmed and put together was very Americanized. I mean, actually, it wasn't very popular in, in Hong Kong or in China. The movie wasn't. It was very Americanized because the, the way you put it, it was like you weren't having Bruce Lee kick a bunch of Japanese ass in one setting, kind of like even like a Kill Bill. It's like everybody's just all together, one you know, one against a hundred, and then you kick them once and they're down. This was fight choreography, fight competition style, almost like Karate Kids, like two people, everybody else surrounding them, and you just get back up. That's not something that was happening in Hong Kong cinema, and so. That's what made it very different. And even the way Bruce Lee was portraying his karate, martial arts, sorry, his gung fu, his gung fu style, the, he didn't, when he's fighting, he doesn't make those noises. He doesn't put his thumb to his nose or taste his blood. That was hot. That was the cinematic version of him. That was the canon of him. He made that up. For a good reason, because he knows he knows American Hollywood. He knows American Hollywood. He knows how how they would just gravitate towards that. He's putting on this persona, like oh, 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 oh. like that's just something that's that's not how he's fighting. It's it's theatrical. It's fun. And he knows he knows how to do that because he was so smart about doing that. So, like. That's what wasn't happening in Hong Kong, but then you did it here. It's so amazing to see he bring that aspect. And that's why I did great in America. This is one of the reasons why I did great in America. There's so many reasons why I did great here. And we'll go a little bit. It's directed by Robert Klaus, uh, written by Michael Allen, Bruce Lee, starred Bruce Lee, John Saxton, Jim Kelly, Anna Capri, Ian Shi, uh, Robert Wall, Angela Mao, Betty Chung. Like, there's ton, tons of people here. I could go down the whole list. I'm not going to. I'm going to bring up some extra uh, notes here. This was filmed at opening a Shaolin Temple scene because, you know, Bruce was actually very worried that John Saxon was going to be the main character here. Like, he was going to be the guy, and Bruce Lee was going to be the sidekick again. But he opened that Shaolin scene for to make sure that he is the main character. And that's really cool. He had that way. Uh, he had already done the big boss Fist of Fury in the Way of the Dragon at this point, and that's why he was so popular there. But he didn't want to be the sidekick again. I'm glad he didn't. Uh, the original title was Blood and Steel, but they didn't. Then the producers didn't want to change it to Enter the Dragon. Bruce Lee said we're going to make it change to Enter the Dragon because he was already called Little Dragon in Hong Kong. That was like his sage persona name, and he said if you if you want to do sequels of this. Enter the Dragon. I won't do it unless it's called Enter the Dragon. And so they changed it. Once they saw, like, Rough Cut, they changed it. They're like, cool, we'll do it. Uh, The movie was made for less than a million dollars, which is amazing, because it earned $90 million in the first year in just the West. And over 40 years, it has earned over $350 million total. Amazing. That's how many times of an investment that is? That's like 300 
50,000 times percentage, something like that. Like, that's crazy. That's, that's, and that's a big thing. And that's what made Bruce Lee international star. But as many of you know, sadly, he never got to see that. Because one month before the movie released, he died due to brain anemia, cerebral anemia, which means a swelling of the brain. The, the, they say this is what the t- at the time it was. It was an, an allergic reaction, a reaction to aspirin. I mean, had he never taken aspirin before? Was aspirin ever a thing? I don't know. But sad to say, you wish it never happened. You wish it never changed. But that's the history. And he never got to see that thing. He was also doing, uh, as far as I remember, he was doing the game of death at the time. And that's what's, you know, they didn't get to finish the film with him. He had to do a replacement. So, yeah. Like, this movie is so great, and as you, uh, on the screen, I actually have the Blu-ray version, which we'll see a clip from here, and which is really fantastic. But I also found the VHS of it, super cool. Thanks, Whammy, and um, yeah, it, it's got other footage in here which I've not seen. Um, this is some special features. It says uh, behind-the-scenes documentary, location Hong Kong with End of the Dragon, and an audio documentary, which is cool. I haven't seen that. I don't know if it's on the Blu-ray. I hadn't really checked it. But let's read the back. It says, 25 years following the untimely death, Bruce, Lee's remains the, Bruce Lee remains the movie's supreme martial arts artist star. And Enter the Dragon, fully restored in stereo for the first time and containing three minutes not included in the original U.S. theatrical release, stands the test of time as the most popular martial arts epic in film history. His 25th anniversary edition also includes Bruce Lee, in his own words, sharing film, video, and audio, audio material from Lee's family archives with fans for the first time ever. Enter the Dragon takes Lee into the island fortress of a criminal film, criminal warlord whose martial arts academy covers, covers up opium smuggling and prostitution activities. To avenge the death of his sister, Lee infiltrates the stronghold and enters Han's brutal martial arts tournament, a breathtaking visual feast of com- competitions fusing skills in karate, judo, taekwondo, tai chi chuan, and hapkido, staged by Lee himself. He choreographed everything. And they said in the script, uh, in the little documentary thing, it said that the script was actually only like 80 pages. You know, in today's world, it's like 90 pages, but in that day, it was 120 pages. And the reason why it was so short was because half the martial arts stuff said this will be choreographed by Bruce Lee. So, so cool. And it's just an amazing feat for film. And if you haven't watched it in a long time, it's good to take a watch for it. And see that it is that Asian American film. It's just this style, the way things are taught, the way things were made, and and I think a reason why it was so well done too is like one of the first films that Bruce Lee was speaking in his role. He got to be the speaker. I watched the other films, and I don't watch it. I'm sorry, I don't watch it in the dub, in the subtitle version. I don't have the patience or like the watching of it and maybe one day i will watch it as a thing but i watch everything in dub because i just i'm doing something else usually well we've talked about that before but i also talk about in later episodes like why dubbing is so important but like he didn't dub his own voice which i think is really sad like he could have done that he'd had some other actor do it and it's like yeah whatever and i guess you know i see why people are so mad about that but bruce lee should have been able to do it because he can speak english so well, this is like his, i don't know if this is first major feature major role that he got to speak English 
in that in in the movie. And I think that's so cool. I think that's also the reason why this movie did so well in the West because it was all in English. It's so it's accessible for everybody to hear it in in that especially during that time. So give it a watch. Go find it somewhere. Get a Blu-ray. Get the VHS if you want. It is worth watching. So it's the fiftieth anniversary for both the movie and his death. And shout out to Shannon Lee for continuing that work. She does not have to do that. She could do her own career. She has her own career as an actor and, and various things, but she continues to live on his life. And then I'm sure she has, you know, I hope she has a life and enjoys her life outside of it because she's her own person too. Uh, she has her own career, her own book, her own lessons in life and stories in Hollywood and and just being a woman. And I think that's, it's so important. So shout out to all those in the Bruce Lee Foundation, anybody who's working at the We Are Bruce Lee, all those things. But yeah, so take some time. That's the movie for the week. And that's it. We're already, I think we're already over time. So uh, it's going to take some minute and I have to go to a meeting anyways. But again, thank you for listening to the Strong Asian Lead podcast. You can find us on all the socials at Strong Asian Lead. Uh, Instagram is underscore. You just, you know the logo. You know it. You've seen it. You know where we're at. Especially if you're listening to these early episodes, you, you know, you're already kind of a, a fan. You know what we're, we're, we're about. And so check them out. You can all, if you want to support us financially, you can do it with the Patreon. So strong, uh, patreon.com slash strongagentlead or strongagentlead.com slash donate. You can find other ways to donate through PayPal and Vimeo or Venmo and stuff like that. We're at Strong Asian Lead. Come on, cat. Don't, don't, don't knock over my camera. And um, that's it. Oh, you, and become a member. If you're not a member, it's free to be a member. I had some people like, um, I'm, it's too expensive to be a member. I'm like, Did you, do you know what the price is to become a member? It's, it's free. Free, free, free. Free, free, free. Free, free. F-R-E-E. Free. It's free to become a member. The catch is, you have to be in the industry. You can't just be someone who's not in the industry becoming a member. You can't be someone who's in like tech and has no film Hollywood background who just wants to become a member. No. Be me- the point of the mem- membership is so that you can cut- be a part of the directory. And so that when we go to HBO, to Disney, to all these studios who are all on strike now, when they want to see a list of people who are of their work, that that's who it is. You're not just some random person on the online. So you should have some sort of background in filmmaking and acting in the studio work, anything. You could be in all those places. You can be in publicity and, and still want to be here in the film world. I know a guy who was at, at publicity and at Warner Media. I'm like, you could be a member. Totally a member because you're doing something for us. You're doing something for the industry. You know how the industry kind of works. So you can become a member, but you have to be within the industry. It's free to be a member. I'm paying for this website and paying a lot of money for everybody to have this. I could just do a Google Doc, but that's not the same. It is not the same. Just have a Google Doc of things or an Airtable. It's not the same. This is very different. And I want everybody to use this because it's fun. I mean, you might, I have a lot of people like, I don't understand the benefit. I'm like, What's the benefit of not being on here? Not being on here is not getting exposed. I don't know about you. I can't search for you. I can't find you. You can't share your work. You can't build things. You can't find other people. You want to be on here so that we can find you, that you can be found, and it's free to do it. You can also 
access all of our resources anytime you want. Again, it's free. Find all the film festivals, watch movies, watch documentaries, watch comedy shows, listen to the latest podcast episodes that I find. Everything that I find online that are resources to me that I learn and listen to, I put them on here because it's helpful. It's not just like just all of Hollywood. It's the Asian American Hollywood. That's what you should be learning about too. So that's the benefit and it's free. And I'm paying like $200 a month to do it and we're not getting paid to do it. Almost nobody pays it. There's people who do donate per month, but they don't have to. They don't have to. I would hope that you would, that you're getting some sort of benefit out of it, that you would help us and support us, but you don't have to. Become a member. That's a great way to support us. Because when you support us that way, then we make better membership numbers, which means we can go to other studios and have we have bigger numbers. We are technically the largest pan-Asian, pan-directory, a pan-department directory in Hollywood for Asians. That's it. We, we just want more members. We want more people on there so that people can find that and so and share it. That's it. Um, that's my spiel. I'll say that every you're going you're gonna to hear me say that more often because I want people to do it and it's free to do. So I hope I, I, I need to do like lesson plans on how to do that and we're coming out with an app soon that helps get you on your phone. You can just access it through mobile and you can just log on through our website. But, you know, it's a little it's a little buggy. I'll admit, but it works. So, We'll be finding, uh, they're doing other lessons about how, what the use cases here are for, but it's a working app, and I hope you use it. Is Again, it's free. Uh, again, my name is Moss Moria. You can find me at Moss Moria anywhere on socials, M-A-S-M-O-R-I-Y-A. You can find us at Strong Asian Lead, S-T-R-O-N-G-A-S-A-I-N-L-E-A-D. Ooh, I had to really think about that one. And... Follow us, share us. I think the best thing you can do if you're not going to support and, and donate to us is to share this. Share a podcast episode, share it with somebody, just tell people about it. And we you know, I'll try to do Instagram posts so it makes it more shareable, but you know, don't count on it. Not yet. <laughs> so, but share it so that people can listen and just kind of know about us. Just to say, hey, you listen to Strong Asian Lead or if you do, you know about Strong Asian Lead. So getting our name out there, always really great too. Because I get a lot of people who say, oh, I've heard about you. That's all that matters. So again, I'll see you later. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.